I want to just try to help us from some of the things I've learned over the years, help us as leaders to how, how we should be able to lead and read a meeting. Well, you could put it this way, lead slash read a meeting. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, and a small part of chapter 15, uh, we get more than likely the most comprehensive and complete account of what uh, a New Testament meeting looked like. Uh, so once again, I did cover this in the last session, the last two sessions, but maybe you could go and have a good look for yourself again at what that really means. And uh, quite a lot of people say, and I, I'm quite surprised by this, but some people say, isn't it better just to have a few, to do a few things well, rather than try to spread ourselves too, too widely and maybe not get it quite right? Well, that may be true in some parts of life, some areas of life, but it's certainly not true if we believe the Bible. It's not true for church, a church meeting. Uh, we as leaders have got to understand what... God wants to have happen in that meeting. And once we understand that, really get it in our hearts. It's not just something we say, well, that could be all right. No, it's actually essential. These things must be done. All these things, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. So um, I've given you 17 ingredients, for lack of a better word, ingredients, uh, that, that I see that should be the minimum that takes place within our meetings. And uh, I can't go through them again, but unless we as leaders understand what, why we have meetings and what God wants to do in and through those meetings to us and through us into the world to reach people for Jesus Christ, unless we genuinely understand that, we're not going to be able to really understand what I'm trying to say today or even open ourselves up to listen to it. So please just... Look at the Word of God again and, and come to that conclusion under God. Ask God to help you to understand that this is what He wants uh, to happen through our meetings when we come together. And so uh, until we understand that everything that takes place in a meeting should be considered worship, until we can move away from this mentality that says, while we're singing, we're worshipping, and then we've got the worship behind us, now we can get on with the rest of the meeting. While we come into a meeting with that understanding, we'll never be able to understand or read what God's trying to do. And therefore, we will never be able to lead the meeting like God wants us to. So in other words, let me say it like this, put it like this. If you're going to take uh, 40 minutes to sing songs and you say, well, that's the worship. And then you want to preach and that's going to take another 30 to 40 minutes of your preach. That's already taken somewhere between uh, 60 and, uh, and uh, uh, 30 and, and 60 minutes or 40 minutes, should I say, of, the, of your meeting. And most meetings are about an hour or an hour and a half. To, to, if you take 40 minutes for singing and 40 minutes for a preach, that's 80 minutes gone of the 90 minutes. So you've got 10 minutes left to do everything else that God wants, and all 17 of these ingredients to have an opportunity to somehow work in our midst. So I'm trying to say, if, if you don't understand that preaching, teaching, the gifts of the Spirit, priesthood of all believers, breaking of bread, fellowship, singing, all these things, everything is a part of worship. Therefore, you can say, all right, we may have to sing for 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever the case may be, while the life of God is on it. And then we may have to cut our message a little shorter 
And if we have time towards the end, I think I finished the last message saying this. If we have time at the end of the meeting, we can come back and do some a little more um, worshipping in our singing and, and music, etc. So uh, I hope that gets through to you that the leaders have to get together and say, oh, we understand what God would like to do in our midst. And so we're going to have to try and make some adjustments. And the musicians are going to have to help understand that. We've got to teach them as well. So I want to try to share with you just some of the things I've learned over the years on how to lead slash read a meeting so that God can do what he wants to do in and through in our midst. In other words, it's how to cooperate with God. That's that in a meeting. So here's a few things. Remember again, 1 Corinthians 14, 15, 16 and, and 11, 12, 13 and 14 and part of uh, 15 are the, are the chapters that are the most comprehensive uh, for us to, to try and grasp on what a New Testament meeting looked like. Now remember it also, the second thing is that we need to remember that New Testament church meetings were primarily for, for believers. Uh, in actual fact, the Bible says that none did, or when they were too afraid to come and meet with them, none did join them. And why was that? Because the meeting wasn't just like an entertainment extravaganza. The meeting was saturated in the presence of God, with God doing some supernatural things. And remember, with Ananias and Sapphira, that they were struck down dead for the hypocrisy. You can understand that there was a fear of God in the meetings. So it, uh, we, we just have to really grasp that, that meetings were primarily in the New Testament for believers. Why? Because believers in those days, out in the streets, were far more effective than most believers are in the church today, around the Western world essentially, but elsewhere too. And that didn't mean that unbelievers didn't come to the meetings, because Paul actually writes and says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 14, 24, if, if an unbeliever or an unlearned comes in, and you're speaking in tongues, he, he, he says they're going to think that we're crazy. So people would invite their friends to the meetings, I'm sure. And earnest seekers would come to the meetings. So bear that in mind. Primarily, they were for, for believers, but the meeting was conducted in such a way that even if unbelievers came in, they would look and say, well, God's here, and hopefully receive Christ as Lord and Savior. So a major part of leading any, um, any meeting in our church, any meeting, is to read what God's trying to do. So here's the essentials again. First of all, we know what, why we've come to, together, to, uh, come together. And secondly, that we know that most New Testament meetings were for believers. Thirdly, there's the indispensable Holy Spirit. He's the one who leads God. So if we're not in contact with the Holy Spirit, if he's not taking a hold of us and helping us and leading and guiding, if we're not open to his leading, we're going to be in trouble because flesh only gives birth to flesh. Jesus said in John chapter 3, I think it's verse uh, 7. Flesh gives birth to flesh. So it has to be the Spirit. So remember this, and I'll come back to this later. New Testament meanings were, 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 not, were simple. They weren't structured, heavily structured. They were organic, not organized. Uh, but they were orderly, as uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 40 tells us. They were So we've got to make room for the Holy Spirit from the start of the meeting to the end of the meeting, 
God, what are you doing? What are you, what are you in and what aren't you in that we're doing here? And I want to just say this lovingly again because I don't know how to get it across. Long announcements. The Holy Spirit, it's going to be a struggle for the Holy Spirit to be involved in long, laborious, repeated announcements. And, and it's the same with superstar singers and superstar preachers. When they're promoting themselves, the Holy Spirit only honors truth. And when we're trying to seek glory for ourselves in any sense, uh, we get in the way of the Holy Spirit. So remember that. I don't want to labor that point. So leading, uh, the next little thing I would say is that leading or reading a meeting is a team effort. It's not just one man or one woman. It, it really is a team effort. Uh, in other words, the elders don't need permission from the lead or visionary elder to participate in in any sense in that meeting. You've got to help the leaders, the elders team, to break that mentality. Um, while they, they shouldn't be on leadership if there isn't a measure of competency in them. They, they need to be competent. And that's why I'm able to teach the different things that 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Timothy 3 tells us, etc. So make room for the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. Um, next little thing I would say is we need to learn the ways of God. Not the, we don't, we've got to break away from methods and say, Lord, teach me your ways. Uh, and he says, my ways are not your ways. So we need to keep our eyes on what are you doing, God? We've got to somehow or the other look to God and look at what's happening in the meeting. We've got to help the musicians to see, do the same. Because so often musicians, some of the musicians are real worshippers and they get their eyes on God, but they don't see what's happening in the meeting. And they can get lost in God, even if they were just in their toilet at home. Uh, so it's, it's so easy to get lost in God if you're standing up there leading the so-called music worship. But they've got to learn to be able to also keep their eyes on the eldership and also keep their eyes on the congregation. And so... We've got to look, this is the next thing I'd say, look for the life of God in what's taking place. Is God in the singing? He was for the first minute, now he's not. Yes, the songs sound great. Some of the people are still raising their hands, but the majority, there's no life anymore in it. We need to learn to read that. Uh, what is there life in what is happening? And the next little thing I would say is, when something happens and God breaks in and, and uh, he wants to speak to us or change us or whatever he wants to do. We just might need to stop and say, does what's now taking place need some uh, little, a little bit of explanation possibly? Somebody speaks in a tongue and there's an interpretation or there's a prophecy or there's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, whatever the case may be. Does this need a little bit of explanation before we move on? Uh, so spend time on the things that God is saying and doing and less time on the things that we're trying to make happen that will only end up in the flesh. And then the next little thing I would say is we've got to say, are the people able to respond to what God is saying or doing? Does it require some time? Does it require maybe some silence? Does it require some explanation in order to implement it? Moving on quickly. Does the next person who, after that person who's just finished contributing, because it does say that if one person is 
saying something and somebody else says something they need to say, they need to, the guy who's been speaking needs to stop and the next guy takes over. Now, the next guy, as he or woman, whoever it is, as they start to contribute, does their contribution cut across what God has been saying to us that we haven't yet fully embraced? We just need to ask them, just hold it for a minute. See, that's why it says judge prophesy. Judge prophesy. We don't just move on. We've got to understand, is God doing something here? In 1 Corinthians 14.29, it says that judge or weigh carefully what has just taken place. So does it require some time? Does the next person's contribution cut across what is happening? Sometimes even the raising of our voice and shouting can cut across the gentleness of what God was trying to do in some people's hearts. I hope I'm making that uh, understandable. And the next thing is, I would say, is just stop what God isn't in. You can't just let it go and say, well, praise God. If, it's, if the elders aren't convinced together in their togetherness, this is God, we should stop it gently, graciously, and try to steer the meeting back on course. And so meeting should have heart more than volume, transforming. Moving on quickly, looking at the time, just some practical considerations. I was hoping to get to another part of what, what we should consider in New Testament meetings, but maybe in, a, in another little session, short little session, but some practical considerations that I think are very important that I've noted here. Can all the people in the meeting hear? Can they all see? Can they all participate if they want to? Some people can't hear because it's, the volume's too low. Some people can't hear because the volume's too, 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 too loud. Some people can't see because the words are too small. The seats are too far back. We've got to ask God to help us to get it so we're right at the back to the front. Everyone can hear, everyone can see, and everyone can participate. In other words, if we believe in the priesthood of all believers, we may even have to have a couple of microphones, wireless microphones, in different parts of a, if it's a big hall where somebody can where there's a, a leader looking and you see somebody put their hand up or what stand up or whatever they're going to do to want to participate and then he goes across or she goes across and they hand the mic just for the moment i hope that is a little helpful secondly uh, practical considerations are your so-called helps helps or are they distracting Volume of music, PowerPoints, whatever the case may be, are they helps or are they hindrances? And what about children? Disruptive, screaming children. We're wanting the fear of God to be in our midst, the love of God to be being poured out, the mercy of God being revealed, the gathering power of the Spirit of God to bring people into the meeting, into Christ. We're wanting even the, the people that love God, to be drawn closer into Christ and into a deeper uh, walk with God, far more effective walk with God. And yet we allow these kids to scream and carry on, and we say, well, we're a family church. Well, there has to be some way that you ask God to help you, to help little children to be just taken into the back room if they won't stop crying, 
or screaming. Just I'll help you know what I'm saying here. People just walking around, drinking coffee, going out to the toilet for nothing, uh, talking to each other. We just try to help the people to understand why we're meeting, that, that, that God may be glorified. Now, I see I've taken about 16 minutes. Maybe I'll try and squeeze a few of these things in quickly. When you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 40 and chapter 11, verse 17, where it says, sometimes your meetings do more harm than good. Remember these things again, all coming to give God their very best. God is a spirit and they that worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. All coming with respect and reverence, the fear of the Lord, without being religious, legalistic, morbid. We should try to help our people to stop talking when we start the meeting proper and honor God by coming on time. Teach the people and then you as leaders be there on time. Musicians be on this platform on time. Teach the people to all come available to minister, whatever that, that may mean for, the, for them. A valid life imparting testimony, not just a, a little story, but a valid life imparting testimony. A genuine prophecy uh, where we break out in tongues from time to time in song uh, or tongues in, uh, as a praise language that's not coerced. We should teach us, the music team, to teach by example how to sing free, freely and creatively. From that music team, they should be singing creatively, just not sticking to the tune, sticking to the words, but all over the place. The music of God, making songs, singing songs and melodies in their hearts with praise to God. And then again, just the, the leaders in their pluralities, sensing what God wants to do, where he's trying to take us without self-promotion, without cutting across what God has said with, uh, or emphasizing. Or, and the leaders not wanting always to be heard. And sometimes it's in prayer. Sometimes it's dancing. Sometimes flag raising where we're just declaring the blessings of God on nations, the flags representing those nations, marching, running, uh, messages that are to the point, emphasizing what God wants to do and can do, uh, theological, really soundly theological, and yet full of the life of God, healing breaking out spontaneously. So many times, by the grace of God, I would see people getting healed while I'm preaching, not even preaching on healing that we teach the people that they can expect God to break in at, at any part of the meeting. doesn't have to be when you invite them to the front. People being able to respond at every level. And remember this, that New Testament meetings were simple, free, organic, not restrictive, organized. That they practiced the priesthood of all believers, not just talked about it. That there's, sometimes there's an environmental uh, uh, atmospheric uh, anointing. Like in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, Luke chapter 6, 19, Mark 2, 5, uh, Mark 6, verses 6 and 7, that Jesus could not do mighty, many, many mighty miracles there because of the unbelief. That's the anointing, negative anointing, the environmental. And sometimes he, he did great things there because the presence of the Lord was there in a very special way. And God's healing power there. Forgiveness, as 1 Corinthians 11 tells us, encouraging one another, as Acts chapter 15, 31 tells us, signs, wonders, miracles, supernatural words of wisdom, knowledge, preaching, great faith and exploits and adventures, exciting prophecies that motivate people to action. Um, still looking at my clock. 
keep people free. Meetings need to keep people free. Acts 15, 1 to 35. Uh, it seems like from those meetings, they went out and seized every opportunity to evangelize. And we should do that even in our meetings. Taught great and relevant theology. Singing that was not quite what we call singing. But the Romans, uh, the uh, one Corinthians, uh, sorry, uh, the Ephesians 5, 19 type and the Colossians 3, 15 to 17, where we sing hymns, spiritual songs, uh, sung not only to God, but to one another and God making music in our heart, not just to, with our lips, but to the Lord, always giving God thanks for everything. Uh, songs being uh, able to break out in the congregation, not just by one person telling us this is what we'll sing. This is how many times we'll sing it and you'll do it whether you like it or not. Uh, I'm looking and I'm saying I've run out of time. If all these things don't take place in our meetings and the church is weakened, all of these things must be done for the building up, the strengthening, the encouraging of God's people. And all of this resulted, when we do it God's way, all of this results in equipped believers able to share their faith and even able to plant new, new churches as they did out of the book of Acts it was those who planted the Antioch base were those who were ordinary believers, not the leaders. The leaders stayed at home. These were the persecuted ones. They left, but they, the meetings so fed them and their study of the word of God and their love for Christ, their motivation to be equipped, that they could go out and plant churches all over the place. That's what God wants from us, that we can have, us have apostolic bases all over the, every city, all over the world from which we can work and see God work in wonderful ways. So ask your people to devote themselves to the right things, as Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 tells us. And I'm praying for you, and I trust that what I've been saying, as hurried as it is, has been helpful for you. There's more to it than that. I haven't learned it all. There's stuff you could teach me, but I'm trying to share with you some of the stuff I've learned over the years, and I'm trusting God that it'll help you. And I'm asking you, Father, for your blessing upon your word, Honor it with signs following. In Jesus' name, amen.